from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 7th, the year 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, back in Nashville, Tennessee. It's good to be home on American soil. Also joining us today, back there in Orlando, Florida, uh, keeping us keeping us healthy in the new year, making sure things don't go off the rails too far, it's our friend Chandler Strang. Hey, Chandler. Hey. Also in Loveland, well, he's usually Loveland, Virginia, but today he's going. He's going old school. He's he's going. Right. He's going in to where studio. the magic happens, where the sausage is made. Also <laughs> in Orlando, Florida, Jesse Carey is with us today. Ironically, eating sausage as we podcast. <laughs> sausage ranks on number three on the grossest foods to eat while you record a podcast, right behind bananas, very uh, in plantains, <laughs> and. Joining us from, uh, I'm, ass- I'm assuming here, I know this is where he usually has from, known. In, uh, in the great city of New York, uh, on the podcast today, we're very happy to be joined by our friend Andy Minio. Here. Andy, welcome to the show, man. <clears throat> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Are, you, are, you are in the Big Apple, right? You're, you're in New York today? No, today I'm in Atlanta. Um uh-huh. Yeah, down here, getting ready to leave to go on a, a little tour. So just, uh, yeah, I actually just bought a house down here, too, me and my wife. Oh, wow. Congrats. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So, expansion. I, I have a question for you, Andy. As, a, as, a, as someone who's purchased a new home, how deep into HGTV are you right now? <laughs> it's uh, basically the only thing on in my house. <laughs> my last name is Gaines at this point, and... I'm not talking about the gym. <laughs> hey, listen, we're 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 no strangers to Chip and Joe. I mean, uh, you, I have purchased. Let me ask you this: the first move I would do as a Chip and Joe fan myself is to start demo day right away, just looking for that hidden wall of shiplap hiding behind the fireplace. <laughs> have you had any luck so far? It's um, it's so annoying to watch fake drama. <laughs> They're like, oh, 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 we just dropped our countertops and they broke. I'm so upset. It's like, all right, guys, just just show me the house. <laughs> Andy, am I, am I giving to understand, Andy, that you are accusing the people behind the incredibly popular Chip and Joe franchise of maybe of maybe milking some of the drama sometimes a little bit? I want to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it is, kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, Andy, I like that you pointed this out because I've noticed that about three seasons into Fixer Upper, they they really lean into the formula where at some point something goes wrong. There's a hidden expense, like, oh, there's there's termite damage or an old water heater broke, and they have to decide who will call the homeowner on speakerphone. And, yeah. <laughs> and explain an additional $1,200 cost and that sliding barn door leading into the office from the kitchen right. isn't going to happen. And here's the thing. They never say no to the extra expense. It's not like, it's like, yo, man, it's going to be an extra $1,200. Oh, oh. And it's like, all right, fine, let's do it. Like, there's never a moment where they're like, yeah, we're just, that's just too much money for us. We're not going to do that. Can I, can I be honest with you guys though? I don't know if you relate to this. 
I'm such like a perfectionist sometimes who works stuff that I get anxiety for Chip and Joe. Like I would want to make that call. <laughs> I'm not making the call uh, and letting them know that the front porch got to move back three feet. No, not at all. That's you. You're on your own. Their life makes more sense than what, than what, than like there are some of those, some of those home renovation things where they try to pass it off as, as it's just one guy or in some cases the two brothers, those property brothers. And that, and you just can't, the, the illusion doesn't hold for two seconds. It doesn't even work. You can't tell me that in one commercial break, no. we can come back and three days later, you have turned this like this flat, this hovel. You okay. they, like put a whole story on it or, or, or dug a pool out of the backyard. And I I don't know who we're doing this for anymore because I don't think anybody actually buys not only the drama, like the tension, but also just the idea that like these people have 24 hours and $1,000 for the home of their dream. And listen, I'm not trying to disparage any contractors or real estate agents on here, but let's, let's just, let's just, let's just say something everyone knows. Those two hunks, the property brothers are far too good looking to be contractors and real estate agents. Okay. No one's buying it. I've never seen a contractor that good looking, especially with an, an identical twin. If, now, if, we have any, if we have any contractors listening who take issue with this and you want to send us selfies to prove that you are both handsome and a contractor, we're open to it. I'm just saying that it hasn't had anecdotally. I'm with you, Jesse. I haven't, that yeah. has not been my experience. A- Andy, I know you're on a tight schedule today and there's a lot we need to get to today. I, I could talk about your HGTV reviews, uh, uh, but I do want to, uh, you're on, you're getting ready to kick off a tour here and you travel a lot. You're, you're a man out on the road. And yeah. you recently had an interesting interaction. I saw you tweet about, and we need the know. backstory. You oh. say that you met the legend, Ric Flair, at an airport and, quote, had a heartfelt convo. We got to hear this story. Whoa! All right. So <laughs> basically what happened was, I, you know, I get to the airport and I'm going down an escalator and I look in front of me and I was like, yo, this guy looks familiar. I was like, this guy looks like Ric Flair. First thing I thought. But then it also didn't look like Ric Flair, if you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, I was like, I don't know. And I, I'm kind of like looking and I see like shiny necklaces. And I was like, <laughs> does Ric Flair wear like ice? Does Ric Flair <laughs> ice it out? Awesome? Like maybe Ric Flair drip, like when that song dropped, maybe things changed for him. His Atlanta Connects came through, Icebox, ATL. I don't know. So I'm like, let me check. So I pull up his Instagram and like three pictures <laughs> earlier, he's wearing the exact same jewelry and the no. exact same outfit, by the way. But uh, I was like, did this guy just have like a uh, WrestleMania last night and just wore the same outfit to the airport? Cause this is a <laughs> wild kid. If that's the case. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh my God, it's Ric Flair. So we, you know, at the Atlanta airport, there's a, uh, what's it? It's like a train car. You got to get in. So yeah. lo and behold, I get into the same train car as him. And I walk in and somebody next to me is like, oh, my God, it's Ric Flair. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, no, don't do that. You know, and uh, he like kind of laughs. He's like, yeah. And so I'm standing in the train car right next to Ric Flair. And I'm like, I'm looking at everyone standing around me, like everyone behind his back. And everyone's like, oh, it's Ric. You know, everyone's like pointing. They're kind of like and I'm and I'm like, yo, I, I grew up watching wrestling. So I'm a fan. And and I'm. I have people that run up to me at airports to, to a degree. I'm like, I'm like normal famous, right? Like yeah. I have a little bit level of, of success where people come up and do that. So I'm having, I'm a little more, um, what do you call it? Like conscious of my interaction sure. with people like that. Cause I'm on the other side sometimes. Yeah. And even I was like, 
I might just have to pull out my phone and like, <laughs> just like start snapping off right pictures grill. of this guy. Like, like he's a freak animal in a, in a show and yeah. I just get to take pictures of him in public. Like it was getting to that point where I was like, wow, Andy, what's wrong with you? Don't do that. Don't be a psychopath. And you know what it's like <laughs> to be on the other end of people run up on you. So, yeah. so I'm just like, I can't. And, the, and then what am I going to say to the guy? Hey, man, big fan. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 real original <laughs> chief. He's going to be like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I'm Rick like, Flair, I, everybody's I can't a fan. say nothing yeah. to this guy. Huh? Yeah, it's like, I'm Ric Flair. Literally everyone's a fan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally yeah. everyone knows who I am. Because if you didn't, you know, you didn't live in America for the last, you know, 30 years. So I, uh, I'm like, I'm not going to say nothing to him unless I have a meaningful thing to say or a moment opens itself up. So we get off the train and, uh, I was like, dang, I can't believe it. This is it. I'm not going to just like Ric Flair's just going to be three inches from me. I'm not going to say anything to him. So we go to get, I go to get on the escalator and lo and behold, he gets on the escalator, the same exact one I'm on. And he's again, like an inch in front of me. And so finally, you know, I have that moment when one person's on one side of the escalator, the other person on the other side, and you can kind of look at each other when you turn sideways. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it was. And it was like the universe was calling. That's right. This and uh, I just basically said, you know, I knew he had some uh, health issues and I was like, Hey man, how's your health been? Just randomly. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, man, you know, when something like that happens, like, you, you know, you're not sure if you're going to live. He's like, it puts everything in perspective. Oh, and wow. he said, uh, it's one, it's a long escalator, by the way. He goes, it puts everything in perspective. And, uh, he's like, I'm just really a lot more grateful for life these days. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, you know what I had a, I was like, it's true. You don't really recognize those things till, till they're gone kind of thing. And I was like, yo, a few months back I was, I was playing basketball. Somebody scratched my eye when we were playing and this kid ripped out like 70% of my cornea. Oh my like, God. Holy. I had like an awful cornea. I didn't hear about this yes, at all. Sir. Yeah. I was out for like a week. Literally, I had to close my eye, keep my eye closed for like a week. And it was like an excruciating uh, pain. I had steroids like in my oh, eye, all man. that stuff. Oh, wow. And oh, I literally, wow. there was a moment, like I thought I was going to lose my vision in that eye. Yeah. I was like, this could get infected and like, this could be it. Like I, I could be like Slick Rick at any moment, like eye patch rapper. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, you don't want to be the eye patch rapper. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, and I was that's like, like being a property brother. It's like, yeah. it's too, you're just thought of the hunk at that point. You're the eye patch guy. Yeah. Pirate rapper. All I need is a, is a, is a peg leg. So anyway, I'm like, yo, I thought I was going to lose my vision. And I was like, it just made me so grateful for something as simple as being able to see every day, you know? And he's like, yeah, it's crazy how that happens. And, and we just had this moment on the escalator talking about like the brevity of life, how Dude. good it is. And I was like, did I just have a heartfelt with the four horsemen? <laughs> <laughs> did I just have a heartfelt with the chest slapper of all chest slappers? <laughs> it just happened. And, wow. uh, you know, we get to the top of escalators right before Christmas and he was like, Hey man, happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everything to you. And I was like, yo, same to you, man. God bless. I said, God bless you. And he was like, thank you so much. And just in our part of ways. And we went to our gates, but, uh, I didn't, I, and like, I was about to like, be like, man, thank you for this meaningful conversation. All right. Selfie. You know, and I, didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but I was very tempted yeah. to, and I was like, you know what? I got, I got something better than a selfie. Yeah. So, 
that's what happened, man. Rick Dude, Flair, what, shout out the great one. Hey, what a way to end a decade. A heartfelt so, combo seriously. with a living legend. If you have an actual conversation with someone that you owned an action figure of as a child, I figure oh, I, I think man. it doesn't get any better than that. You know? Yeah, you just brought it all into perspective for me. That's crazy. Yeah. My yeah. man said an action figure. Hey, hey, I got a question <laughs> for you too relating to is your eye recovered, Andy? It is. I'm I'm back. Okay. The boy is back. Oh, are you a Rex Spec guy now? Are you going like Kurt Rambis? <laughs> I'm goggles I'm on the Forrest court. Grant on the eye goggles regularly now. It's just what it is. <laughs> hey, there's no shame in that. There's no shame. If you've had a severe cornea injury, I don't. I don't mind the Rex Specs. And here's the thing: the, I don't know if you've noticed this too playing basketball, Andy. If there's a guy on the court that has either a combination of three braces on his joints, like two knees or two or an elbow or yeah. a guy with goggles. You just stay away from that guy and let him pull every rebound because oh, he's, yeah. he wants that ball way more than anybody else. There's a reason yeah. his body is broken and That's he is right. willing to do anything for a rebound. So you go out there with the rec specs and guess what? People clear the lane when you, when you come power through, you know, million percent. Cause they're like, listen, no one's getting paid for this. So you go as hard as you want. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 pulling down 15 boards easy if you come yeah, out there. Yeah, 15 with boards, and then you're going back to UPS, and it's just what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Knee braces okay. and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got we got tons to get to today, and Andy, and, and your your time is a little bit short here. We are going to get to. We're going to be talking to Colony House in a bit. Uh, they're going to be joining us to talk about their new upcoming album, Leave what's lost behind but before we get to that we're going to do some slices we'll take a quick break when we come back we're going to tackle our slices list You're listening to If I Could by Sophie Oster. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Red Hearse by a band called Red Hearse. Okay, it's time <laughs> for our... Look, that, we I, made I, that I don't name the song. You so they ran one. out of time. They, <laughs> they ran out of time to name, the, to name the song, and so they just went with what was right in front of at the time. Um, it's time for our look back at some of the stories that caught our eye this week. It's time for... Slices! Jesse, what do you got this week? All right, I have two slices, and I'm, I want feedback on both of them. They're somewhat related. They're very odd stories that I found on the internet. Um, okay, we we report a lot in our magazine, our website, and on this podcast about interesting studies about people of faith, and we're, we're very interested in talking about it. But after reading this study, I'm convinced they've just run out of things to study. Like, sure. you know, we, we read sure. about, oh, you know, people... Uh, this denomination reads spends 15 minutes a day reading the Bible. You know, millennials are less likely to go to church more than, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of interesting research mm -hmm, out there. Mm -hmm. This one is from a university in Oklahoma who had nothing else to study. This, the, it's the University of Oklahoma. The researcher's name is Samuel Perry. And he wanted to define, he wanted to find who owns more cats, Christians or atheists and decided <laughs> to look at two thousand sample of 2000 people. And here is his findings. Okay. His okay. Real quick. Andy, what is your prediction? Who owns more cats, Christians or atheists? What is your guess here? What's your gut telling you? Dear God, <laughs> there's no, Oh my God. 
Um, oh wow! I love I love too that someone like went into professional. I'm like, what research. do you have to do with your life and time yeah, at this yeah. point? I don't know. So I can see both ways. I could be like uh, atheists. Uh, you know. They're like, everything's meaningless anyways. Why am I going to take care of this feline? Or maybe yeah. it's going to bring me comfort. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe uh-huh. Christians are, you know, being weird and having <laughs> 40 cats. Uh, or they have compassion for like, man, yeah. these cats, what are they going to do? If we don't take care of them. Let me, let me guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Christians. You are incorrect actually <laughs> out of the 2000 people surveyed he found that uh uh people who uh have never attended never attend church people who are, are non-religious who are atheists on average and i question this but who am i to question this guy's a researcher at a university i spend uh, the majority of my adult life rambling on a podcast about rec specs so who am i to argue <laughs> but this doesn't add up to me that uh, that on average, the atheists, the people who aren't religious, own two cats on average. And the people who regularly attend ter- church, the Christians, uh, <laughs> owned 1.4 cats. Okay, One just half. real quick. Mm. How can mm. you own a point four? Did they own a cat and a kitten and then just trade out the kittens? You know, I, I understand there's some math involved here. But it's just some numbers. It's just what it is. It, 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 listen, who, who am I to argue? Who am I to argue? But I love his his reasoning for this too. The reason oh, he this says is be good. Oh, I the can't reasoning wait. he said, and I'm going to paraphrase uh, that you know that people who attend church have community. They also have like relational fulfillment. Uh, and he said, in some ways, pets are a substitute for human interaction that they're not getting at church. He also went as far as to say that cats are very godlike. And his <laughs> the implication is these people have a God-shaped hole in their heart and they just keep <laughs> filling it with cats. Oh man, there's so many better cats. things yeah. to fill it with. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. It's like so, a dog for one. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I don't even know I don't I, I know one person that has two cats. Uh, they don't attend church, so I mean, but I don't know that many cat owners. I don't even know that many church going cat owners. So, Andy, I take it you're not a cat guy. Uh, you know what? I don't mind any animals, but I think what your point is if you own a cat, you're a Satanist. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> I think it's a clear connection to those things. Probably now, a witch. I, uh, for honestly, I had a puppy for two weeks and I loved it. The thing was cute. Uh, its name was Archibald the third, even though it didn't have a first or second. Um, we just named him that and I just realized I wanted my life back. So we gave him away to a a family member. There are a lot of, but they're just a lot of work. But I, I, I do, I would say if I was home more often, there'd be a nice comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're an atheist with no hope for the future, you just fill it, (laughs) fill that, fill that, you know, existential void with puppies and cats. That's that's where the research. <laughs> I do got to say this as somebody who, like you said, Jesse, we cover a lot of these studies and usually and this is I don't mean this as a slam to anybody, but usually in these studies, Christians don't come off looking very good. Like it's there's a lot of kind of embarrassing news yeah. about these studies. <laughs> this one, I'd say the shoes on the other foot. For once, <laughs> the, the, there's like Christians are like slightly less lonely. So yeah. how does that feel? Atheist? Yeah. Checkmate. Not so, atheist. Not so fancy now, Checkmate. are you? Cat, Checkmate. You, you all sure? Yeah. Losers? Yeah. <laughs> no, not losers. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a study. I hey, didn't do the Matt, study. Easy, numbers Kurt Cameron. Numbers. Easy, Kurt Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Argue with the science, not me. I have one more. I have one more news story that I want you guys' feedback on that is somewhat related because it has to do with animal ownership. 
Um, Are we talking about animal ownership and we're about to be in World War Three? Like, what's going on over there? Can we, can we stop talking about you cats have, and just uh, uh, talk about the bombs that are about to be dropped dude, on America? Please? You, you know have what? a limited. Hey, you but, have a limited amount of time, Andy. Andy, you know, what? let's call the audible. Give us your take, man. It's a it's serious situation out there. What 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 are you, what are your what are your feelings about the the conflict we're in right now? Oh man, I I honestly am just gathering information and figuring this thing out from you know I mean it just happened like two days yeah. ago. So all I know is this this guy Soleimani got assassinated or was killed, and I know there's been beef with America and Iran. You know, been on interesting terms for a while. So I just I'm like. I'm actually gathering information, trying trying to find out what's going on. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Well, how about this, man? I, I'm I'm interested. You know, we, we got we got you for another ten minutes or so. Let's 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 go. Well, I'll call an audible on my other animal ownership story because listen, <laughs> that's evergreen. We can talk yeah. about that literally any day of the week. But yeah. what in turn? Let's let's broaden it up a little because the situation with Iran and the assassination of this, you know, militant, uh, uh, military leader over the weekend is, is there's a, it's complex and there's a lot of factors at play and new information uh-huh. is still coming out. But in terms of like the political climate in general, Andy, you're out on the road, you talk to, you meet a lot of people. What are your feelings and concerns as we move into a new year, a new decade about the political climate, the, the, the way things are being discussed, especially among people of faith? Well, I think in general, like, uh, and take, you know, yeah, I can take this as much as y'all want, but I think in general, the, uh, Christian perspective on politics is basically like, you know, just if anyone's against abortion, we're voting for them. Like, yeah. that's basically it. It's like single, mm-hmm. you know, it's single issue voting, uh, happening pretty consistently. And even, even, um, what was it called? Christianity Today. Can I even say that name on yeah. uh, on this podcast? Absolutely, absolutely not. We call them we call them like Donald Trump. We call them ET. ET. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you can so say it. They're, they're, we wait. Hey, listen, for real talk, we love them and respect what they do and respect yeah. their yeah. their they're, their they're recent. Are, we're, their we're, big, we're big fans of yeah. theirs. Yeah, you respect them, but they're going down. Uh, <laughs> we, will, we will bury them given the opportunity, but, but yeah, yeah, they were yeah. worthy foes. <laughs> But they released an article where they were like, finally, you know, four years into a presidency, they were like, hey, guys, we think this Donald Trump guy's a bad idea. I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And just reading the comment section on that, like, was appalling. It was like some people were like, I am absolutely disgusted. I will never. I love when people say I'm disgusted on on the Internet because you're not. Like, can we just stop? You're, you're disgusted. You're sick to your stomach. Is it really? Um, I'm disgusted and I will never read anything that you guys ever put out again. I was like, you're disgusted at that, but not at the stuff that this guy does or like yeah. the fact that they got receipts on this, uh, on this guy. And I'm like, this is, this is such a wildly polarizing time. Mm. Like the guy literally yeah. is like, I'm going to, you know, just to, to be crude for a second, he's like, I'm going to, you know, grab someone by their vaginal unit. Yeah. And you're like, you're not disgusted by that. You're disgusted by the fact that this article is like, hey, I think hey, this guy's character shown over time is not trustworthy. Right. And so uh, underneath that comment was like, yeah. And he's like, he's God's elect because like he's God's chosen one in the White House because he's the only one fighting for, you know, uh, pro-life. And I was like, wow, 
you know, and, and this is stuff we all know. Yeah. It's essentially whittled down to one or two things. And basically the quote unquote majority Christian vote goes that direction. And so, um, I think like knowing how easy it is to scoop up the Christian market, I think what you got, it, it makes it a very weird conversation for a lot of people I actually caused a lot of turbulence in my own faith mm. early on in 2016, 17. Cause I was like, are the people I call my brothers and sisters, you know, I talk about this in a song there. The people I call my brothers and sisters, are they like, did I just not know who they were all these years? You know? <laughs> so yeah. it created all these, um, these tensions, but, uh, yeah, I think there just needs to be a um, like a, a a broader understanding of more topics and like what it means to have someone represent Christians. Yeah. When I go to like other places in the world, they're not uh, solely like sold out to one political party and just you know identify with that completely. They're just like, oh, this year I'm going to vote for a Democrat. This year I'm going to vote for a Republican. This year I'm going to vote this person. They're just voting on who they think will. Uh, make the best decisions for yeah. them, you know, for those years. But there's no, like, I am a Democrat. Like yeah. I am yeah, a yeah. Republican. It's just like, who's going to be the best person for this year? Uh, so I think there's just a super divided time and, and identity, like people, what do they call it? Identity politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. P people wrap their identity into a political party instead of, you know, they're citizens of a kingdom instead of, you know, when they act like they're citizens of a political party. Right. And I think that just creates a lot of issues. I mean, this is, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. I'm just <laughs> like, this is all. Well, but it is revolutionary, especially about. in our, it, in it our is. corners, because this sort of stuff gets people, you know, fired or put on blast by the president of the United States. So it's still, it's what can feel very kind of straightforward and common sense to yeah. some people still counts as being like a, a nuclear hot take for other people. Well, and, and, and I want to, I want to ask you something too, that, that is interesting about, you know, something you said at the risk of the president of the United States insulting you on Twitter and calling you like a pirate rapper. With, I mean, that's a real risk here. <laughs> uh, 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 you, you said that in 2016, 2017, it actually really took a toll on your faith. Uh, you know, yeah. seeing how fellow Christians embraced as someone who was using rhetoric that is antithetical to the way of Christ. I, I'm For paraphrasing. Sure. So what brought you to the other side? Are you still in that crisis of faith? Uh, not so much. Uh, I think one of my big like goals of 2020 is I think when you're, when you're, when you're deconstructing things and rethinking about things, it makes you very critical. And, you know, cause you have to think more critically um, about the things you've been taught in order to, uh, to deconstruct them and re-understand them. Right. And so, um, being critical had become part of like my identity for a while. Mm -hmm. It was like, I'd walk in anywhere and anything and I start picking it apart or, you know, laughing about it, being cynical with my friends, whatever. And I just realized it's such a joyless, um, life to live that critical. Um, and so my new goal has been to like find the good, mm -hmm. you know, in, in every expression of Christianity and faith or, just life in general, like find the good because you can't control people. You can't control things that are going on, you know, in the world. Uh, but you can try to find the good and not to be naive to the bad or to, to, um, remove criticism where the criticism needs to happen for the, the better, the better and the, and the good of a thing or a company or people. Right. But to find the good has been a challenge for me. And so 
I realized like, man, as I was deconstructing, being very critical of things and even in my faith, I was just joyless because I wasn't able to find the good. And there's so much good yeah. that uh, Jesus offers, I think, in, in Christianity. So um, I'm just getting into like a better place, a healthier yeah. place. But I yeah. was kind of at, at shocked quite a bit that there was so many churches and so many people just not addressing uh, what was happening. Uh, and, you know, some people say, oh, it's a separation of church and state. Um, but I was just kind of shocked because at that time, it was also just all those killings were happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, black and brown bodies by police officers and knowing anything to say about it, particularly the church is supposed to care for the marginalized and the ones pushed to the outside. So it, it did a number on me, uh, just trying to understand how the world works in that way. But um, I think it's, you know, it's made me wiser and, and a little more like stapled to the ground, I think, just kind of understand that's the way the world is. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. Andy, I know you got to you gotta take off here uh, in a sec, but just any any parting words for people that are in that place that you were a couple years ago? Like, because I feel like there's a lot of people, especially in our listenership, that, you know, they see things getting worse, not better. At least that's the perception, especially when right. you look at the rhetoric coming out of Washington. And like you say, you know, there was like, uh, you, you know, we you literally had the president saying, well, God is on our side. The implication is that God isn't mm-hmm. on the side of people who are critical. People who find that concerning and it's damaging their faith and they don't know where to turn and they don't know uh, who to trust anymore. Do you have any advice for people like that? Um, all I can say for sure is like that I've gone through that and I still wrestle through um, those things. What I think ends up happening or what happened to me was you can like, if you see through everything, you see nothing, right? Like that's a quote. And so it, it's a, uh, it's a quote from someone else. Not me is all I'm saying. Like, hey, that's a quote. Use that. Now, if you, if you, if you're constantly seeing through things like, uh, you don't believe anything's good. Like everything's rotten at its core. Nobody does good. Um, I think that'll just leave you in a very hopeless place. And like, that's where I had been for the last few years. And what I realized is realizing I don't know things was a, was actually a real freeing thought um, that made me humble and made me want to learn and educate myself more deeply. And I think through doing that, what I've realized is like, uh, I can't see through everything and um, there's actually a lot of good still to be found and to try to find those things um, during the process will help because if not, what's going to happen is what's happening with most people is like, they're just essentially punting their faith and just being like, all right, I'm out of here, but they don't know where they're, they're going anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, it's just kind of, that's, that's, that's what I've noticed most is people are kind of punting their faith, but then they don't really know where else they're going. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to float around and you realize like, uh, you don't have to throw away everything. And so I, I, uh, I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but, um, if I would have prepared for the question, I would have made it a lot more concise and a lot more compelling. No, that was great, man. I, I, Hey, I think sometimes the answers like you gave are more compelling because, they're from the heart and you know, it's not off the cuff. It's, it's how you really feel, man. And, and I think that's really powerful and I hope, and I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. Andy, listen, man, I know you're on a tight schedule today. You got a lot going on. You got some shiplap to find underneath (laughs) that, that drywall. Um, Hey dude, I, I, we would love to have you on again, man. It's always great talking to you, man. We really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today. 
Yeah, man, we'll talk about it uh, if you guys aren't in the draft. All right. <laughs> World War Three. We'll see you out there. We'll see you out Leave there. Us. Yeah. Leave hey. us with some good news. Uh, no. Hey, Thanks, you might Andy. get an exemption because of your cornea injury. I'm not sure That's how that true. works. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I looked into it. I got flat feet. I'm no good. <laughs> flat feet, flat feet, Rex Specs. Flat feet, Rex Specs. They don't. We're good. We're okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you here. That's it, man. <laughs> Andy, thanks, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Good talking to y'all. All right, you too. Talk to you later, later, Andy. Yeah, Andy, man, leaving us with some with some powerful thoughts there. And I'm glad he brought up, you know, it's, Tyler, this is something we've talked about a lot, is wrestling with the tension, uh, uh, especially on this podcast, yeah. of like, what political, and I don't feel like, especially in recent weeks and months, uh, <laughs> we, we've really shied away from uh, conversation about current events and, and, and some political issues, sure. especially as they've really entered into the intersection of faith and culture and events that we try to talk about. But it is really great to hear someone like Andy Minio want to want to dig into to mm-hmm. things that are happening around the world. And so I do have some silly news that I, w- I will bring <laughs> to but now uh, we got that. Now that we've got the globe, the geopolitical <laughs> conflict out of the way. But also I do this. This is going to sound like the most shameless plug in the world, Tyler. But for people that are right. interested in 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 more conversations and that kind of uh, perspective on what's going on in the world, do check out Relevant Daily because that's something that Tyler, you personally curate the stories on a daily mm-hmm. basis, and uh, you know I know just as someone who's able to to kind of be on that show with you pretty frequently, I, I've I've been able to kind of keep up with uh, a lot of what's happening in the world and 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 kind of gain some interesting insights and perspectives. So. Um, well, yeah, I don't mind out. shameless plugs if they're for me, Jesse. So we will. It, it, it sounds shameless, but we'll, we'll allow it in this case. <laughs> Banging my gavel over here. Yeah, you're it. it we'll, we'll keep that one. We'll leave that one in and after post, Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what do you got, man? All right. So I, I'm bringing, this is less of a slice and more of a, uh, I guess, a conversation piece. I was reminded of this and we're actually coming upon, uh, it, this news was announced a while ago and it's about to be uh, the, the, the day is nearly upon us uh, where this is going to be a real thing in the world. I am referring, of course, to the upcoming Jeremy Camp biopic starring the kid starring Hot Archie from Riverdale that is going to be landing in theaters uh, the month after next. Do you remember hearing about this a little bit, Jesse? I do. I do. I like so this. So for context, this comes off the heels of another of like the I can only imagine, which was that's a, right. Uh, the told the story of uh, was it casting crowns from and Bart, uh, Bart Millard, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, who and it ended up being a massive hit, and I think it, it was very successful. Dennis Quaid, I think, was in that movie, played Bart uh-huh. Millard's uh, father. It's a father son story, and tells the story of the origins of the the huge hit song. I can only imagine. And and so that so the same producers are now bringing us the the Jeremy Camp biopic, which is going to be called I Still Believe after his number one hit song. It tells the very, uh, like, I think, genuinely moving story of Jeremy Camp, um, who who lost his first wife when she was quite young to cancer and uh, and then wrote this song. I still believe about about that story. And the song was, of course, a huge hit in CCM in those days and has now inspired this movie. I am a little surprised at a few things about this movie. Um, the first one is that KJ Appa, who is the guy who plays Hot Archie on the CW show Riverdale, is going to be playing uh, Jeremy Camp in this. They don't really look alike. It's, it's a glow up for sure 
for Jeremy Camp. No shame to Jeremy Camp, but it's a it's a big it's it's I don't a know. big move. I don't to know. Have like Listen, that. Jeremy Camp's a he's a good looking. He's guy. a good looking dude. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're not good looking in the same way because Jeremy Camp is kind of a rugged, kind of like a, a little bit of a mountain man, like a grizzled yeah. Yeah. look to him. Always has. And then and then this kid, this kid KJ has a little. He he's got a baby face, you know. Okay. But that's okay. That's okay. You've got. Uh, uh, well, I believe that he can channel the spirit of Jeremy Camp, even if he doesn't look exactly like him. Something else that's surprising. Instead of the the prestige power of Dennis Quaid. This one is going to give us Shania Twain in a role. I think, is this going to be her cinematic debut? Shania Twain? Maybe. I, I can't remember any films with her. Yeah, I haven't seen her uh, in any other movies either. And then apparently, and this has really only been hinted at, but this is what I really wanted to talk about with you today because I'm wondering if this is, if you think this is a, a if there's, if this could even happen and what it could or should look like. This could be the beginning of a real CCM cinematic universe, right? In which you get, you, you start with Jeremy Camp, you've already got Bart Millard out there, and then presumably, according to these producers, they want to keep bringing in more and more Christian acts until you get, well, I don't know what the Avengers version of this is, like what is going to bring them all together, like a movie about the Dove Awards or something. No, no, I, I don't know it, it, what Tyler, they're saying. it's clear. It's about the newsboys. They are the Christian. <laughs> they are the CCM Avengers. They've basically <laughs> taken members of every CCM group and just compiled them into one super team. I mean, am I wrong? Aren't the no. newsboys just like, are, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Michael Tate from DC Talk, uh, you know, a couple, uh, a guy from Audio Adrenaline. They, that's the, that's the Avenger. I think that's the movie where they assemble. You and, eventually move to like newsboys and bring everybody together. Even at, though at this point, you don't really have like Jeremy Camp wasn't in the newsboys, but you could, I mean, it's not it's not unrealistic to think that someday he could be i suppose <laughs> it's not at all <laughs> well, yeah so so your vision is for a ccm extended uh cinematic universe that's right that, that that's culminates right. with with like a super team up uh, at the listen. end of every movie at the end of the trailers you know you have somebody like you have say you have like Stephen curtis chapman step out from the shadows and tell the hero of that of that movie, I'm putting a te- you know I'm putting the team together, uh, and, and then and then that just teases the next meetup until 2026. We'll say that we probably have enough to have them all team up for a world spanning, globe trotting, uh, a mega multi million dollar Cineplex adventure with all the different CCM stars who've met up to that point, combining forces to. Join the newsboys? No, no, no. It's clear clear is what happened. (laughs) Is in this world, obviously, Michael W. Smith is the Tony Stark figure at the heart of the team. And you know, it's all fun and games, and they go on their random adventures and putting out their hit songs in their different movies until finally they have to come against uh, a singular enemy looking to collect uh, all of this universe's <laughs> equivalents of I infinity stones which are double words and that's when <laughs> in in the fallen ash of the music industry coming up with one song that will dominate them all you know he will look into the eyes of Michael W Smith and Carmen will say <laughs> i am inevitable <laughs> 
<laughs> so I mean, in your mind, not only does Michael W. Smith emerge from the shadows of a lot of these post credit scenes, but you've also got Carmen slowly extending his sinister reach over the world of CCM in an attempt to collect all the single, all the devil awards for his own like evil mean to restore balance to the CCM universe. That's right. That's right. He that's that is his goal. In his mind, he's doing in his mind, he's not doing something devious. He's doing something noble here. It, it, like the, the 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 plot line. He's a relatable is, villain. He's a relatable, he's a relatable villain because in his mind, there's too many crossovers. Okay, in Carmen's day. You weren't played on mainstream radio. Carmen wasn't on MTV. Okay? It's gone too far. Lauren Daigle's playing Coachella. Carmen is not having this. He has to restore the balance to the CCM universe. And that balance was disrupted by, by you know, like in his mind, the ultimate enemy, who is sort of the Captain America of this world, is Switchfoot, who, who went from being sold in exclusively in Christian bookstores to, you know, getting a top 40 hit. That's when Carmen started putting his plan in place to restore the balance, which is, there's no too, more, too many crossover artists, you know? That's, that's the battle that he's willing to fight. And that's one that Michael W. will never stand to see happen. I'm, I'm here for it, Tyler. I'm I, I here think, for this I think it goes without saying, obviously, that that while you're going to have to find a lot of like young CW actors to play most of these people, Carmen will star as himself. And he will probably not be aware that he's actually playing the villain the entire time. <laughs> well, no in, his mind, in his mind, like Thanos, he's doing the merciful thing. Like, <laughs> like, like Thanos thought by wiping out half the universes by dusting half the universes spoiler alert population that he was preserving the sustainability of every planet in carmen's mind like i said he doesn't think that you know (laughs) the production value for his videos were easily in the six figures okay if he wanted to be on mtv he could have but he said no that's not that's not what i'm doing here this is i he wanted to be in his mind this should operate like that uh, laminated sheet at the Christian music stores in the 90s where <laughs> if, if there is a secular artist, they're on the right column and there is a wholesome Christian alternative on the left. This isn't a Venn diagram where there's middle ground. This is two columns. And if you like Green Day, then you'll definitely like this MXPX album. That's how this should work. And so when he, he snaps his inevitable. fingers on all the billboard charts across the world, Switchfoot's name like dusts away from the top of the charts. Lauren Daigle's ne- and it just leaves only mainstream music on there. <laughs> exactly. I could see this. I could see exactly how this is coming together. I'm, I'm here for it. As, as well. always, as always, it. the phone lines, the phone lines are open for this. Yeah. This is a weird. We just put these out ideas out here for free. For free. Yeah. This is a yeah. public service. Well, I mean, we will want royalties on this franchise, but uh, yeah, it's, it is a public service. So, well, that was... That was some well, size well, That was really my too. only slice. Yeah, I just wanted to give everybody an update on it. Uh, it's scheduled for release in February twenty, uh, and we will. We got we got a movie poster last week, so we're so it, it's, it it's an exciting does. time. I actually do think uh, real talk. The quality of some of these like um, 
faith-based films, particularly ones that are based on real life uh, people and events. You know, I'm not talking about like the, the God's not, I'm not throwing shade at that, but yeah, yeah. my, my thoughts, I think we've made clear over time on the God's yeah. not dead stuff. But when you look at stories like breakthrough, the one that Seth Curry produced, even I can only imagine, I, you know, was actually, I think a major step up in quality and production value and artistry for a lot of those movies. And I'm sure the Jeremy camp one, uh, it, it, you know, there's a lot to, to, to think that this is going to be, uh, potentially a pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there was that one, I, and I'm afraid the name is escaping me now, but there's that Pilgrim's Progress adaptation. Yeah. That you and I were talking cool. about a couple months ago. It, look, it looked, it's more of like a fantasy looking series, but it, I was intrigued at least by the production quality values of it. So it's as they, these are more successful, they get some more money, they get some more access and, and the quality of the like technical aspects of the filmmaking can definitely has uh, how, the resources to improve. How hard will you cry when rapper NF walks over to, <laughs> to Michael W. Smith and puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, I don't feel so good, Mr. W. <laughs> and he's like, I will bring you back to your place in this world. And then NF, NF just, just turns to dust. Carmen looks, Carmen looks Carmen. at him and, and says, I am inevitable and snaps, yeah. but nothing happens. And Michael Lee Smith says, and I am Looking for a reason. <laughs> Roaming through the night to find my place in this world. And that's when Carmen takes a knee and is himself dissolved. And uh, uh, thankfully, NF, NF rematerializes at that point. So, well, we burn enough bridges for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this week's Slices. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Call Any House joins us. listening to original material by colony house so today's featured interview is brought to you by praying through from jarrett stevens from nav press books life is hard but prayer doesn't have to be we often think we don't have the time energy or words to talk to god but it turns out you're already awesome at prayer you just don't know it yet Praying Through by Jarrett Stevens will help you to find your voice when words are hard to come by, to settle into the silence when God seems quiet, and to bring all your cares and celebrations to God because he longs to walk with you in and through them. Jarrett has been pastoring and helping people pray for decades, from NBA stars to local artists and everyone in between. In the book, Jarrett guides you through how to pray when you need help, feel worried, are drowning in grief, need direction, or when all you hear from God is silence. Prayer is something we want to be life-giving, but it often doesn't feel that way. Praying Through will help you overcome the obstacles that keep you from God. Get your copy of Praying Through at navpress.com. Well, today's guest is Colony House. They're an American indie rock quartet. Their debut album, When I Was Younger, reached number 154 on the Billboard 200 and number three on the Heat Seekers album chart. And their new album, Leave What's Lost Behind, 
which is available for pre-order now. They were also just added to this year's Bonnaroo lineup out here in Tennessee. Jesse recently spoke to frontman Caleb Chapman about the album and why the theme of hope is so important. We're going to share part of our conversation with Colony House. Jesse, I kind of like the Colony House guys. How was your conversation with Caleb? It was awesome, man. You know, I have been a fan of their music for a long time, and I was honestly kind of shocked to hear this album because it sounds so different than anything they've ever done. And I really, really dug it. Like, this is cool. one of my favorite uh, new albums. This one, you know, it, it's such a departure from sort of their their sound that I think a lot of fans might be, uh, you know, familiar with as we kind of heard in that transition song, uh, where they're still an indie rock band, but they're bringing in so many different elements sonically. And this album isn't a concept album, but there are themes and concepts and narratives. You know, there's a trilogy of songs that's kind of in the middle of the album that, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly a, a, a new sort of approach for them. They've always been thoughtful, but this is, like I said, kind of mm-hmm. an album that has a lot going on and some big themes that tie threads throughout, which makes it a really fun, interesting album. All the songs, I feel like, do good, do a very good job of standing alone, but also this is one of those albums that's fun to listen to from front to back to kind of get the whole layout and, and, and theme and concept of the record, you know, but I wanted to talk to Caleb because one of uh, about something, because one of the major themes of the album is the idea of hope, but not just a uh, uh, blind optimism, but hope through trials. And I wanted to ask, you know, what brought them to this point? How are they a different band now when they started out because it really sounds like they're a different band now and caleb said you know a lot of it had to do with some of the some difficult transitions that they've had to go through uh, over the years which actually ended up freeing them up to uh, creatively to try some new things here's what he said we've kind of transitioned in and out of different like labels we've had labels we loved working with fall apart just not i don't know they just weren't able to keep going financially and we were kind of a little bit of part of that fallout. And then we were in the major label system with our last album and we enjoyed our time there. But then, uh, long story short, just, I think we got really confused with what we were supposed, like where we belong, like where we kind of fit in and all of that. And we transitioned out of the major label system in 2018. And so there were like some kind of, kind of signs that would say like, Hey, is this, is this working out? or is this not working out? (laughs) Uh, And we had to kind of shake off a little bit of the dust of being pulled around in a lot of different directions. Hey, you should sound like this. You should say this, you should look like this or, well, you know, all that stuff and just go like, wait, 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 hold on. I, this is not why I ever started doing this. And so I think personally, I found myself in this really, I don't know, vulnerable kind of, place where I wanted to put down on paper the the thoughts of like, man, I feel like my whole life I've spent trying to be enough. I don't know, trying to follow the rules, trying to be above reproach, be excellent in the things I do. And it always seems like I've come up just short of, of that. And when I'm complimented on something, I have so often my immediate reaction is to like you know, smile, say, thank you, be grateful. But there's this internal dialogue going like, if they really knew, 
if they really knew they would know it's kind of fake and that I somehow like pulled this magic trick off to make people think I'm good enough at this, but really, I know I'm not. And I, and I feel that. So like a huge part of this album was just like putting that out there for people and being like, am I alone in this? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people that feel this way. And I know in my healthy days that that's a lie. But in my in my unhealthy days, I I often listen to those voices um, saying that it's just I'm not enough, you know. And so, yeah, man, trying and uncertainty is indeed a theme um, and has been incredibly relevant in my life. Lyrically, the things you're hearing are are pretty much torn out of a proverbial di- uh, diary <laughs> of Caleb. So as you can see, you know, they're they're a band like a lot of bands these days that are transitioning as the music industry transitions. You know, the the music Mm -hmm. industry Mm -hmm. and the whole business model uh, is in a a state of certainty. And interestingly, the idea of uncertainty played into the album, Uh, not just uncertainty career wise and uncertainty when it comes to creative pursuits, but, uh, uh, you know, uncertainty when it comes to big ideas, when it comes to faith, when it comes to trying to uh, understand concepts like, uh, uh, you know, deconstruction and reconstruction. Um, So I wanted to ask Caleb directly how the idea of uncertainty uh, played into the album and what was it like kind of leaning into that? It was freeing. And at the same time, I feel a weight for like deconstruction is a hard thing to do. And I, I hope for my, like for myself and, and my friends, like that's the perfect word that you use deconstruction. I think for so many of me, like my friends that I see kind of like going through that part of their life where they're going, these are the things I was told growing up. These are the things I was told to believe growing up. Now I'm deciding whether or not it's real for me. Um, I think so, so often it's, I like feel like there's this celebration for this, like, uh, and we like trick ourselves into like being like, I'm enlightened because I'm deconstructing something. And really, which, which there's like, there might be truth there, but it's like a really brutal time. And I want to be sensitive to my friends going through that. And I want to give myself grace in those moments of like, Hey man, this is a really healthy time, but like, don't ride off the weight and the gravity of this because you feel like, yeah, I'm doing the thing that everyone's doing right now. And I'm, I'm like, I should be celebrating. Like, let's go like, you know, raise a glass because I'm enlightened or whatever. I feel like this is something to take really seriously. And I want to, and maybe that's what I've, why I spent so much time on this album. Cause I want to make sure my questions that I'm asking are going to get me somewhere <laughs> or, or, and that doesn't mean it has to get me to the answer. I just want to be like, I want to be faithful to ask questions and not just like, say like cut the cord and I'm free now. Um, I want to, I think beautiful things come in toil and struggle. And, and, and that's why, like, that's why this album was freeing maybe is because like, I know, that there is beauty in ashes and I've seen it. And so I'm okay living in that kind of in between. I just, it's not fun, (laughs) Um, but I don't want that to be the kind of the end of the equation. 
You know, so it, it's those are those are really interesting thoughts because even though the album does deal with a lot of heavy themes and these ideas of uncertainty, these ideas of trials in life and in faith, um, you know, it it makes a point to always come out on the other side of 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 hope. And you know, there's a real message of this album that people should be hopeful despite their circumstances. And in fact, the album ends with a song called The Hope Inside. And this is the the, the song I kind of wanted to uh, end by talking to Caleb about because it does add such an interesting um, exclamation point to the record. So so here is, here is Caleb talking about the song, and it, it kind of echoes... Honestly, the the opening song, you know, it serves as an interesting bookend. You know, it ends with the song "The Hope Inside," which Caleb is going to talk talk about. But also, uh, it opens with a song called "Looking for Some Light," which hints at this idea of looking for like these silver linings and trials. So here is a clip of Caleb talking about that theme. But Chandler, why don't you take us out on the opening track, "Looking for Some Light"? The hope inside the song is is kind of this idea that when we hit the bottom that's kind of, that's where hope is. Um, it's not when we're like cruising and like feeling, it's not like when we got back from like church camp or something. <laughs> um, sure. That, that's like good feeling, but I feel like hope happens in, in, at the bottom. And that's kind of the idea of maybe it's the hope inside that comes alive when it's all we have left, when it's like the last thing, and, and we have nowhere else to turn. And so again, like, I guess what makes it important and why we wanted to finish it that way is because there's these questions and concerns and self-doubt and things woven all through this album. And I think it's a little bit of like putting our foot down and saying like, I'm going to be faithful to continue, continue on even at the bottom and like trusting that there's hope there. I don't know. I, I just, it was this song is like this super expansive. It, it kind of tackles a lot. And when, even when I unpack it, like as I go through it, it was, it was a different song. It was called something completely different. The chorus was completely different at first. And then it kind of shifted when we started recording. I, I haven't even thought through really like why it was so important to finish the album that way. I think it's important after the last runaway and, and try the song trying right before that to kind of be like I don't know I think I think our role in in like we've been given a microphone for some reason and we want to leave people with hope that's that's probably the easy way to answer it when the sorrow's heavy on your soul carry on and sing it like a soldier saying come on come on So yeah, that was uh, part of my conversation with Caleb. Hey, you guys definitely need to check out this record. A couple of the singles are out now. It's available for pre-order. The full record drops later this month. But like I said, you can pre-order it now and you can listen to a couple singles that are out. One of my favorite new albums. Really, really excited to see uh, more from Colony House and hopefully to check them out on the road and maybe even Bonnaroo this year. Thanks a lot, Jesse. That was Colony House. When we come back, we'll have an editorial question of the week. 
study online, stay on mission at Asbury Seminary. With more than a dozen online degree and certification programs, you can earn a Master of Divinity, MA in Leadership, Intercultural Studies, and more without uprooting your life. Earn your degree in a way that fits your life. Complete your degree in two to four years with online classes and minimal campus visits at one of our four locations in Tulsa, Memphis, Orlando, and Wilmore, Kentucky. To learn more, apply at asburyseminary.edu or call 844-G-O-T-O-A-T-S. You're listening to Lonely Generation by Echo Smith. All right, so we are coming back. It's 2020. It's good to it be is. here. We're e- we're easing into the new. I'd say, I feel like we're easing into the new year. It's still we're still shaking the cobwebs out from a, a long Christmas break. Um, I've made nothing but mistakes, uh, <laughs> and uh, as you guys all know, I think uh, around uh, it's it's been a, just a comedy of air. The roller coaster has went around the loop to loop and then just spun off into the gutter, and we're still trying to get it all back on for the new year here. And uh, so we're so as we're coming into so we do want to hear a little bit about what 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 disasters happened to you in the interim as it's time for editorial question of the week. So we were, we're asking what what embarrassing or strange or uh, or, or absurd awkward uh, holiday memories do you have from the from the from the Christmas break this year or really any other year if you've got a good one from years past yeah exactly we're coming out of Thanksgiving Christmas New Year's we're finally getting back into a normal routine but my favorite thing is to talk to people oh how was your holidays well you're not going to believe this and they tell the most <laughs> awkward weird story about an interaction with their family or traveling maybe your awkward interaction is like Andy and you ran into a professional wrestling legend at an airport oh, yeah. but we want <laughs> want to hear what is your most awkward embarrassing holiday memory from uh, years past uh yeah tyler let's have them tweet us at relevant podcast and we will pick mm-hmm, a few mm-hmm. next week to read i was really tempting to make tempted to make the editorial question of the week is uh your best most awkward celebrity encounter i feel like we've done that like probably Surely. 10 times in the past though yeah, you know? yeah. so, so we've all, everybody's got it everybody's got a few good ones i love hearing it. celebrity encounters are always super fun yeah but we're not next time. Maybe you know, we, next got, time. we got a whole year. We got a whole year ahead yeah, of us. But, we'll find but, time but we for want your embarrassing, encounters. awkward holiday stories. You're all just with your families. And I know most of you listeners have very awkward families. So I'm sure there were some there were some there were some awkward moments there. So, yeah, let us know. We'll read them yeah. next week on the show. It was by the way, it's great having Andy on. It was it was it was it was fun having. Dude, I, I, dude does not disappoint. No. Uh, that was a that was a good good chat and and I, I appreciate Andy. Andy, if you do listen to this, we appreciate again you uh, your your gut check on on the prioritization of what we do and don't talk about. And just so you know, Andy, we did find time to talk both about both about few other animal stories and the potential <laughs> World War Three looming over our head. We make time for both on this podcast. <laughs> we, keep, we, we keep a lot. We're juggling a lot of balls here, but yeah. we keep them all in the air. Yeah. Uh, tune in for the latest at the intersection of faith and culture and your World War Three updates with Andy Post- Minio. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic beat 2020. I get the impression this is going to be all year long. He, Andy was a comet. 
you know, hot. He burned hot and fast uh-huh. on this pod uh-huh. today. So we appreciate him. He's out on tour, by Andy, the way. People can check him out. Yeah, he's out on tour. Definitely go. Definitely go check him out. And thanks a lot to Andy for joining us. And Andy, anytime you, our door is open to Andy Minio. That's right. Uh, there is no. There is no. He can call in if we are recording and the phone buzzes <laughs> and I see it's Andy Minio. We're patch we're, him we're, in. We're, we're, call, we're making it. We're, we're we're calling an audible. He's the new. He's. My Guess gut is day. he's going to be in in uh, elbow deep in some home reno, uh, you know, Chip and Joe <laughs> style for a while. But uh, remember, if you do catch Andy on the road, maybe if you see him like at an airport or something, don't just ask for the selfie. <laughs> ask how his health's doing. Ask how that eyeball's going. You know, he, he, he had a pretty bad basketball injury, and I'm sure he would appreciate you uh, checking up on him. I mean, if that's anything we can take away from our time with him, I think that's a good way to approach him. Should you see Andy Minio out in the wild, you know. We also want to thank Colony House. Colony House, do you know my Colony House story, Jesse? Have I mentioned that? I think I've mentioned on this podcast before. It may have been a little while. Did did you see them at an airport and ask about their health? <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me her Colony I House did, story. I had no idea about did their you health. Have a, did asked, you have so an awkward curious. holiday meal story with them? Because we love that for question of the week. No, no, no. Tell us. Tell I was us. on, this was, this was, it's a short story, but it was weird. I was on, I was on a plane. I was not in an airport. I was sitting on a plane okay. and the passenger next to me, was a stranger. I didn't know, didn't know who she was. But lo and behold, she pulls out a copy of the relevant print magazine. Oh, and oh, she, wow. she opens it. And, and I'm feeling pretty good, but I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to do that. I'm not yeah. going to be, you know, I, I'm happy to talk. We've talked about this. I'm happy to talk to people on the airplane. Uh, I, I have no problem talking to strangers, but this, it just, I did, couldn't think of a way to do it that wouldn't feel like it was kind of stroking my own ego. You know, like that's actually my, my right for that. If you don't mind yeah, turning to the masthead uh, real quick, I'd like to show you my driver's <laughs> license. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me point you towards the good, the really good articles in this one. Yeah. You can skip that one. That's, uh, that was, let me find anything. So I just, so I just, I'm just, I'm just gonna let this happen. Just let that. Yeah. She opens to, and I, I, I just so happened to have an interview with Colony House in this magazine, and she opens to that page, and she's reading, and she's reading the article that I did with Colony House. She looks at the picture of Caleb, who's there. Caleb Chapman's there. And then she looks over at me, and she looks back at it, and she looks over at me, and I'm thinking, oh. She knows who I am. She's, she sees my name. She saw my name on the byline. And somehow she's a, she's a super fan. I don't blame her. I'm, a, I'm an excellent riot. I, people, yeah. should, people should be fans of me. So, she, so I'm, I'm ready to, to graciously accept the praise, gratitude from this person for my excellent writing and journalism, which has undoubtedly helped her through numerous difficult yeah, yeah, seasons in her life. And she turns to me and she says, excuse me. Is this you pointing to a picture of Caleb? She thought I was the guy in Colony House instead of the writer of the article of Colony House. And now I'm faced with a very difficult decision. It's like, as I could actually say, no, that's not me. But did you? I did write that article. <laughs> did you? <laughs> and I did say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her, yeah, I told her. I don't think she believed me, but I did. But I did tell her. Well, I have. I've told this story in the past. I know. And I'll keep so I'll keep it brief. But I, my first encounter with any of my work out in the wild was, um, oh the yeah, first, this is a this is a the funny first story. <laughs> uh, uh, a major story I wrote for relevant. I was actually still in college at the time, and I wrote a uh-huh. cover story profile on the band Mute Math back in the day. And so I'm I'm oh, I remember tw- that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Remember they played at like the office party and stuff. And, yeah, that was and so, like before they blew up. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. I'm I'm 20 years old at the time and I write, write a, a cover story profile on on Mute Math. I'm very excited, but I'm very nervous about its reception. I'm still literally at that point a journalism student uh, in college. And so I'm at college and I know that the magazine has released. I haven't received my copy in the mail yet. So I decide to to go over to the local mm-hmm. bookstore. I'm like, this is going to be really cool. I'm going to go off, buy the magazine off the newsstand and have a copy and, and just hold it and see what it feels like, you know? So I go, I go by myself over to a local Barnes and Noble or whatever the bookstore chain is there in, in Tulsa. And I, and I bring a copy up to the cash register and I put it on and, uh, the, this, the, I, I swear this is true. I, I know I've told the story before. This is what the person behind the counter who's checking me out at the bookstore says. He says, oh, man, it's a really great magazine. I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I didn't say, I, that, you know, before I could get anything else out, he goes, I'll just tell you, though, that cover story on that ba- on Mute Math does not do the band justice at oh, no. all. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Thank you. And I, I really can't imagine what a horrible thing. And this is like, that. that's like in an internet comment. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't care. Like you say whatever you want. Tweet, tweet whatever you want about what I write. Online. I don't care. But somebody who doesn't know who you are saying it to your face. I would I swear never, that's true. I would burst into about, tears on the spot. Deflating. You know, that was my first time. I was oh, so man. excited. Oh. Like I'm going to go to the bookstore and pick this up. It's be so cool. A college student getting a, getting a byline on a cover story. That's a huge, that, that's huge. That's a really well, big deal. It, it, it was quickly put into perspective for me. And, uh, so started my <laughs> career in journalism. So, uh, yeah, you know, well, Jesse, I read, I read that story as well. And I want you to know, it really didn't do justice to me. <laughs> Looking back, they should have hired a more seasoned writer for that piece. I mean, it was a cover story. Why hire a twenty-year-old who's not even doesn't even have his? I mean, graduated yet? I put this on the team there, uh, not me. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> what were you doing? What were you doing hiring someone that young to write that? Yeah, obviously, Pro- professional incompetence across the board. There were many mistakes made. Obviously, none of which they were, they were, were the early by days. Me. Early days of relevant. <laughs> well, in any case, thank you to Colony House now for uh, taking time to talk to us. Their new album, "Leave What's Lost Behind," actually comes out later this month. Looking forward to that one. Uh, and hey. As long as you're li- listening to uh, to the relevant podcast over there, uh, subscribe to Relevant Daily as well. It's where I bring you uh, the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture every single day of the week on Relevant. Uh, it's called Relevant Daily, and it's on the Relevant Podcast Apple Podcast page. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Tyler Huckabee. Jim Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Have a great week. We'll see you Friday. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe
Carmen will say, I am inevitable. Relevant Podcast Network.